Welcome back, everybody. We are now rolling into another episode here on the Renaissance podcast. And today we're going to talk about one of the greatest literary works of all time, the novel Ulysses by James Joyce. And with us today is an Irish-American who grew up in New Jersey and who's now enjoying the milder climes of Dallas in Texas. He's also the host of a great mythology channel on YouTube called Mythos and Logos. So, Sean Ekman, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you, Richard. It's a pleasure. Um, always, always a pleasure to be here and chat. Um, it feels a little strange discussing James Joyce and a very um, 20th century modern work on a podcast called The Renaissance, but mm -hmm. I have a feeling that by the end of this conversation, we'll see that there's a little bit more in common than uh, one would think. Yeah, we, we're, we're kind of broadening the scope here from compared to the last few years with now more. In one sense, it's also modern. I mean, this is one of the big modernist novels. But at the same time, Ulysses is a play on uh, Odysseus and the Greek uh, big epic <laughs> by Homer. Uh, and it's also just, it, it could be interesting to see how it is different and uh, just briefly touch upon the, the modernist literature versus the maybe the ancient and the medieval as well. Um, but we're going to anyways on that just in 20 minutes and try to talk about your favorite parts of the book and the oh, influence right. the book has had on your life and maybe a couple of reasons of why people should read it. So a little bit of your personal experience. Gladly. So in my personal experience, uh, first thing, if you're considering reading James Joyce's Ulysses, it will be difficult at first. It's a mm. challenging book in the very modern way Joyce writes. He uh, very much pushes the envelope. But if you have a good guide um, to read with or someone who you know who has read it before you can discuss with, then you'll be able to find quite a bit of uh, depth and meaning. What makes Joyce very interesting and unique is that where a lot of literature tries to focus on the, the broad themes that can apply to everyone. Uh, Ulysses is very, a very large book, very thick and heavy, but very focused in scale because it takes place over one day mm -hmm. in Dublin, uh, focusing on a few characters, but primarily upon a man, Leopold Bloom. And um, the way that Joyce writes isn't this happened, then this happened, then this happened, he felt like this. But the narrative style is very stream of consciousness um, in the way that someone may think. So it's funny, there can be, the way you might have a song stuck in your head that you're going through all day, there can be a word that Bloom will hear early in the text that he ends up coming back to multiple times throughout. And uh, it, it's very individualistic in that way. And very, um, there are a lot of idiosyncrasies um, to the way that these characters think and talk and act. Um, that is part of what makes it so challenging because it, they think differently than we do but it can very much be eye-opening to see the very small-scale personal conflicts and events over 
this grand uh, framing within someone's mind. As you mentioned, of course, Ulysses is the Latin name for Odysseus, the hero of the Trojan War and the Odyssey in Homer's work. And in Joyce's original drafts, each chapter had been uh, uh, titled to match a scene in the Odyssey. Uh, for example, there's one long chapter is actually written as a play um, that is a, a drunken night with uh, the main character trying to get home, uh, stumbling drunk through Dumb Dublin. And that's based on the lotus eaters in the Odyssey, the island where uh, the, the inhabitants and Odysseus's crew end up becoming uh, addicted to this lotus, this drug. Um, and Joyce does a great job of taking these unique styles and unique um, experiences that his character has and framing it in this greater context. Mm. Um, so that's, I, I haven't read anything else quite like it. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, I saw, so just a little bit of the, of the, of the, the uh, dates about the book as well. So it's, um, it was, uh, so jo Joyce lived from 1882 to 1941. And then the book was published first as a series from 1918 to 1920 in an American journal called The Little Review. And then it was stopped and banned because of obscenities. And then it was banned in America until 1934. Uh, it was also banned in the UK until 1936 and in Ireland until the 1960s. <laughs> so it only came out in Ireland 20 years, over 20 years after he died. So, yeah, it's, it, well, it's very fascinating in that, uh, what is it? A, a, a prophet is never uh, welcomed in his hometown, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, it's a big contrast to like, I mean, the, the last episode we had was like about Tolkien. And when he publishes Lord of the Rings in the 1950s, it's immediately like it's uh, hailed as a, one of the greatest achievements of the century immediately. So there's like, there are big differences in how the big literary works are, are received in initially. So, but I guess Joyce uh, deliberately pushed some buttons to be controversial. And then he maybe Absolutely. to some extent knew that is going to happen. Uh, I guess those obscenities wouldn't be very much um, troubling for people today. <laughs> So, so this uh, this book actually contains the in the foreword. There's a uh, the ruling by the United States District Court for the Southern District of New York, the United States of America versus one book called Ulysses, published by Random House uh, Incorporated, right. <laughs> and uh, it it actually has the court case that had. Um, lifted the ban on Ulysses in the United States. But Joyce, um, and that's what's very ironic about it in some ways, this is held as the greatest uh, work of an Irish mind in, mm. in the opinion of many. Um, but when you look at the very end, it was written in Trias, Zurich, and Paris. Uh, mm. Joyce wrote this on the continent, not yeah. in Ireland. Yeah. And uh, he was very dissatisfied with Ireland in a lot of ways, uh, the culture that he had grown up in, and he was very much uh, wandering. And he actually had this idea of Ireland's national spirit as wandering as well. Mm. Um, the, the main character, Leopold Bloom, is an Irish Jew. Mm. And um, 
there are a lot of parallels drawn between those two identities that he has, um, with with Judaism being this this um, a people in exile, right, and mm. Ireland having that wandering sort of cultural um, identity as well. There's a um, so in in the Odyssey, Odysseus. Um, for a long time lives on the island of Calypso, who is a, uh, she's not exactly a siren. I forget exactly what the proper term would be, but she's a, uh, essentially a, a, a witch on an island who keeps him. And uh, he lives with Calypso for a long time, but after time he realizes, no, he has to leave and go back to his home. And that causes the wandering of the Odyssey. Mm. Um in that way, at the time when he started writing this in 1914, Ireland was still begrudgingly British mm-hmm. at the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, there's there's very much this idea of Ireland needing to set out on its own as well to find its own cultural identity. Um, not living comfortably in a... Uh, not, I'm not quite sure if captivity would be the right word, but not living comfortably on someone else's uh, demands, but on its own. And for Joyce, um, the, the, the irony and part tragedy is he couldn't find that within Ireland. Hmm. Uh, he had to travel abroad to find that. So it yeah. mirrors his own odyssey a bit. Exactly. Um, it's very interesting. I, uh, just one thing with Dublin. I've just been there once for a couple of weeks and I think it was 2017. It's a fantastic city. <laughs> It's just uh, there's an atmosphere and and a feeling of Dublin that's just fantastic and the people are great. It's uh, it's also it's a very living culture today. Even like people talk constantly with each other and about Ireland, about Irish culture, <laughs> and and it's um, yeah, it's one of those countries where you really feel that it's in the fabric, living uh, like constantly. So that's uh, it's, it's a fascinating city. Uh, and also, like you said, that his travels uh, I noticed and. So, like this, the city of uh, Trieste in Italian is uh, is also is another very fascinating city because it's on um, on the very border of Italy towards uh, I guess it would be Slovenia I think but it's it's a mix of the Latin Germanic and Slavic parts of Europe and it's the only city I've been to where you see three different <laughs> kind of groups walking around in the streets you have the you have the typical Italian darker people Latin people and then then you have the Germanic people and you, you just see it everywhere and it's everything is kind of working together really beautifully as well so it's um it would be um it's a fascinating choice for him to live in an environment like that which is so kind of uh, a blend and kind of a hybrid of, the, of different cultures as well. So, um, right, so and, yeah. And, but, yeah, and also the last point on that, like it's, uh, I think it's a common phenomenon that you you feel your home or birth town much more strongly when you are in other countries. So like that he's so uh, close to Dublin when he's out of Ireland is in many ways natural because you... I think that's an, almost like a human instinct that you, you tend to recreate uh, your home environment just like mentally when you are away from it. So that's um, that's just it just struck me when I looked at this. And uh, yeah, and also just the day you said one day uh, that this is um, June sixteenth. Yes, Bloomsday. That is Bloomsday. If you go to Dublin on that day, you'll find there are 
uh, reenactments. I mean, doing doing the same drunken stumbling across Dublin that that we mentioned in that chapter. Um, it's very um, beautiful to see how Joyce's work has been more um, readopted by his home. Exactly. It was even there was a reading in. Uh... In Florence, the British Institute in Florence, <laughs> we had a, a, a reading, reenactment reading of of uh, Ulysses, and uh, yeah, it was it was a fascinating experience. <laughs> so, again, kind of just bringing it up again. Um, so, but just for, uh, do you have a couple, two, three highlights from the book for you personally that kind of struck you when you read it the first time, or that has kind of given an imprint or lingering thoughts from the book? Yes, certainly. Um... My absolute favorite part is the the last chapter, mm. which is uh, Molly Blooms, the wife of the main character, soliloquy. And um, in here we are. The original uh, title for uh, Joyce this was Penelope, which is Odysseus's wife, mm. and the entire last chapter if you'll pardon all of my notes here mm. it's one sentence there's mm. no punctuation pure stream of consciousness the thoughts of this woman reminiscing on her life and it is such a fascinating and beautiful look into the way that a human thinks mm. um which which is very revolutionary for its time of writing yeah. um you can actually see this development over Joyce's work. If you'll allow me just a moment to reach to my bookshelf. Mm -hmm. If you're, if it's your first time reading Joyce, I would recommend uh, if, if, if you want to go into the author. So his first book Dubliners is, is much more um, much closer to what you would expect in a book. Mm -hmm. um, it's a series of short stories each of which is more relatively contained. Then there is the portrait of the artist as a young man, mm -hmm. which is his semi-autobiographical um, writing where it becomes a little more in the personal uh, realm of that. And the character Stephen Dedalus in here uh, also appears in Ulysses with a few minor characters from a portrait of the artist as a young man appearing in Ulysses as well. So, um, Does, it, is it is that connected to the Daedalus of the Greek mythology, the labyrinth and the father of Icarus, Daedalus character? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's interesting because Daedalus is his uh, is is his last name. So, in 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 one way, it's it's a little bit unclear whether he's supposed to be Daedalus, the father of Icarus, who is uh, the the one who to escape the prison builds these wings to fly. Mm -hmm. But he's also the son of Daedalus, being Icarus himself, who flies too close to the sun. And in many ways, it's a bit unclear which of those Joyce sees himself as, um, whether or not he's escaping this prison as he felt very limited by Dublin at the time, the way he went abroad, mm. or if he is, um, he, he's, he's a bit self-aware that he is um, in a taking a risk. Um, so yes, that's absolutely the, the mythological connections are 
very strong in Joyce's work as well, which is probably another part of why I enjoy them so much. Um, yeah. His his last work, Finnegan's Wake, is, um, I'll, I'll be honest, that one's a little too much for me. I still need to get a little more in Joyce's mind. <laughs> <that one. laughs> um, Finnegan's Wake is this stream of consciousness looping narrative where the last sentence ends halfway and the first sentence is the second half of the last sentence so it's all a cycle and it's all uh there's a lot of irish mythology and a lot of uh, i can't speak with any authority on that because that's a very difficult read but ulysses hits that sweet spot for me and i have a feeling that anyone interested in joyce in at least one of these four books will find uh will find that right spot for them somewhere between the traditional narrative of something like Dubliners to the more modern uh, individualistic stream of consciousness works of either Portrait of the Artist or Ulysses um, to the, the very postmodern um, Finnegan's Wake, which is very challenging on that. So uh, at least for me, but I think that there's something in Joyce's work for everyone. Um, mm. It's just a matter of finding which part is for you. <laughs> Yes, I saw a, a quote from T.S. Eliot about the Ulysses, and he said, I hold this book to be the most important expression which the present age has found. It is a book to which we are all indebted and from which none of us can escape. So, um, That is high praise. And I'm, I'm an Eliot fan as well. I have a few of his books on, on that shelf too. Um, very much... And T.S. Eliot is interesting in that because he's very much seen today as one of these leading voices of modernism that had challenged the traditional uh, styles of writing. Yeah. And then at the same time, T.S. Eliot was a devout Catholic and yes. uh, very founded in tradition in a lot of his work too. So it's very much at the crossroads, I think, Joyce is of the, the modern world and ancient roots. Yeah. I mean, it's the opening of of Ulysses, he, um, well, just, just two sentences here. Uh, Stately, plump Buck Mulligan came from the stairhead, bearing a bowl of lather on which a mirror and a razor lay crossed. A yelling dressing gown, ungirdled, was sustained gently behind him on the mild morning air. He held the bowl aloft and intoned, in troibu ad altare dei. Exactly. So you are you are reenacting re it here in life, um, yes. but I had to look up the the Latin, and it does mean uh, I will go in the altar of God, and this is uh, the opening words of the Holy Mass, the old form of the Holy Mass in the Catholic Church, the Tridentine Mass. So he goes out on quite a high note here when it comes to references and and the Catholic tradition. Yes, and and it's for the for the bowl that he's using to shave. Exactly. So. <laughs> So just from the very beginning, we have the the cross of this very individualistic, uh, idiosyncratic kind of narrative and style mm. founded in tradition. Yeah. And that, I think, is where Joyce excels. And So do you, uh, mm -hmm. I was wondering this now towards the end there, do you think... Um, there's something about, especially since we've been working so much with the Renaissance, medieval times, like Renaissance and backwards and the ancient world and the literature. Um, there's something about the modern 
era and the modern literature that sometimes is brilliant and sometimes is it gets a bit detached and becomes um in the sense that it wants to to detach from from the past it it, it loses kind of a bigger context sometimes uh it's kind of a mixed uh, there's nothing mixed about modernity in itself do you have any thoughts about that when it comes to joyce absolutely um joyce as a a modernist author is really credited with starting a lot of that uh pattern of uh it the individual being the focus there but i think he is in a very different place than a lot of the postmodern authors who um who would oftentimes be deliberately trying to take down the past Joyce is very aware of the context that he's from and very aware of the past and the history and the culture that he's operating in. Yeah. Um, even though he had to leave that culture to be able to write this book, Ireland didn't leave him. Mm. And I think in that way, Joyce um, would have been very much at home in the Renaissance as well. Mm. Um, in that Renaissance humanist idea that, yes, you are a person and you have this tradition that can help you through that. Um, he's so, just searching for the right word, founded in mm. with that foundation. Um, which I think a lot of authors, and this is just my personal opinion, of course, I think a lot of authors are very excited to get rid of anything that came before them. Mm. Um, Joyce recognizes it and builds on top of it, which I think is very much what the Renaissance Italian culture was doing for the Greek and Roman culture that had come before. Yeah. It's very much this ideal of, of uh, reformulating the old in the current current situation the current trends or like a day and then and uh yeah having the best of both worlds that's and and the balance that's that is kind of what the aspiration of the renaissance i would say um yeah and um do you have uh at the end of any um i was just thinking like he has this one chapter about the the whole uh, history of the english la english language also when he kind of goes through the different stages which would be a, maybe an example of of his appreciation of of history if nothing else then oh yes and he 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 goes into so much um i mean i just opened as i was searching for that he um as i go to a page there's there's sheet music written on here there mm. is parts that are written in stream of consciousness parts that are written as drama parts that go through history of English and etymology of other words. And it's so um, ambitious, mm. but he clearly knows what he's working with. Mm -hmm. um, one of my, in, in that chapter, which is the play that really stood up to me, um, I have a line drawn here where where reality starts to become mixed with his drunken hallucinations. Mm. And interesting. Um, it's so it's so interesting to um 
really imagine just how much Joyce must have known. And I'm sure that that's part of um, him having so much of a, of a foundation in this tradition, um, but using it in his own very novel way. Mm. Um, maybe part of that is why it's difficult for me to understand something like Finnegan's Wake, because that, that takes us to the next level. And if you exactly. love the, uh, the, the unique writing and stuff that could never have come from anyone else's mind, then the later works of Joyce are absolutely up your alley. If you love it all, then I think Ulysses is the crossroads of that. So yeah, that is why excellent. I think it is a great book that you should read. Yeah, that was kind of my final question. Had like what one one reason, like what one takeaway that people might might have if they read it, like one one little gift or one um, one effect it might have on people. Mm. And I, I think it would give an appreciation for the depths of human psychology and mm. how complex we can be and how much goes into us. Nice. I think in terms of really appreciating the depths of characters, the depths of psychology, the depths of within yourself as well, yeah. um, comparing yourself to some of these uh, Ulysses is, is very ambitious, but does what it sets out to do. That's a very beautiful way of summing it up. And as a motivation for people to go understanding more the depth of, of the psyche and psychology. Um, yes. So I also had one, uh, I want to read one, one little quote here also from, so this is the ending of the whole book, which is it really stood out to me. And um, I'm going to try my best here to read it. Uh, so this is, I guess you, you have said here that the last episode, the last chapter is just her stream of consciousness. Yeah. Uh, at the very end, this, it concludes with her remembrance of Leopold Bloom's marriage proposal and of her own acceptance. So it says, He asked me, would I yes to say yes, my mountain flower? And first I put my arms around him, yes, and I drew him down to me so he could feel my breasts all perfume, yes, and his heart was going like mad, and yes, I said, yes, I will, yes. That's the ending. <laughs> So it's a fantastic ending. I get in goosebumps. It's um, it's just this is artistic genius. You see it at the end here, mm -hmm. and so. it's it's beautiful um, for the character as well. It is a masterpiece, though, in exactly what um, Joyce did in accomplishing this ambitious task. Exactly. Uh, okay, great. So. Um, Final moment here, just any uh, any plugs at the end here? Plug for your um, yes, YouTube channel, uh, was new video coming out. Yes, actually, as of, uh, as of time of recording, tomorrow, the 9th of January, Sunday, mm -hmm. a new episode of Mythos and Logos is coming out. Mm -hmm. And that does uh, that is looking at the saint who sits on a fallen angel's throne, mm -hmm. a uh, mystical vision of St. Francis of Assisi. Excellent. Looking forward to this to that video just for tomorrow and uh, with that just thanks so much everybody and uh, see you again soon bye bye